0: Hi folks, Jean here and welcome to Have You Ever Read? So I told you I wanted this to be a global podcast, which represents the different voices of the worldwide church. So this month, I'm pleased to announce I'm speaking to my friend, Hannah Rose, who is a messianic Jew about Jordan Rayner's book, Redeeming Your Time. I'm going to try something a little bit different this month. The book is very practical and has quite a few actionable steps. So I thought it would be a good idea to split our conversation into two episodes, which means this month you get two podcast episodes for the price of one. Now, if you've ever struggled with productivity and getting things done, this is the perfect book for you. I shall let the episode do the talking as you listen to Have You Ever Read? Redeeming Your Time by Jordan Rayner with my friend Hannah Rose Russell. Today, I am speaking to my friend, Hannah Rose Russell. Um, Hannah Rose, do you want to kick off by telling everybody how I know you?
1: So we met on Jordan Rayner's Redeeming Your Time Coaching Community course, and then we're put together in an accountability group after the course, um, and we would meet bi-weekly until you went off to Oxford.
0: Yeah, I don't think I've actually told the audience that I'm in Oxford, (laughs) but that's another discussion. (laughs) So you've already mentioned this Redeeming Your Time community, and we'll go into a bit more detail about that. But that's a nice segue into the book that you've chosen. So do you want to tell the audience the book you've chosen and why?
1: So I have chosen Redeeming Your Time by Jordan Rayner. It's one of those books that I believe every Christian needs to read, not once, but multiple times. When I started reading it, I was juggling so many tasks, but getting nothing done. Then I went um, and started doing Jordan's principles and practices that he writes in the book and watched my my productivity increase and learned how important my time actually is. And I think that so many people haven't grasped this message or this lesson in life. And it's so helpful, especially with this book, because it takes you down the path of Jesus's time on earth and how he spent his time so that we can manage our time like he did and live more like him.
0: So this, I need to give a warning to the audience because this is a very different book from the books I usually have on the podcast. It is a Christian book, but it's very practical. as, As we discuss it, you'll see that yes, it's rooted in scripture, but there are more... Um, step-by-step guidance and approaches in this book than any of the other books that we've featured on the podcast thus far so just to the audience just to warn you it's a really good book definitely vouch for it before we dive in, in any further into podcasts podcast and the books I want to say that I'm really excited about having Hannah Rose on this podcast she mentioned that we know each other from a community online community I think we met during the pandemic right the lockdown. Yeah. One of the reasons why I wanted to speak to Hannah Rose is because Hannah Rose is a messianic Jew. And I've told you guys before that I wanted this podcast to be global, to have the voices from across the spectrum of the church. And I don't know about you, but Hannah Rose is the first messianic Jew I know. So yeah, really interested about her story. And so I'm going to hand over and ask her to just give us a little bit of a background into her relationship with Christ and maybe then what it means to be a messianic jew over to you hannah Rose.
1: okay so yes my heritage is jewish my mom's all of my mom's family are jews therefore it descends onto me so i was born a jew um but obviously i believe in the messiah so in western communities and everywhere then i would be classed as a messianic jew though i do i try not to go into denominations and things mm-hmm. because there's always something that like is wrong or different that I don't agree with in in the denominations that can also cause controversy so Mm. I was born in Wales before America stole my beautiful Welsh accent and my family (laughs) and I moved to America when I was seven (laughs) but for the last 10 years I've been living in Israel and so when you say you're a messianic Jew that changes things on how okay. people perceive you here as well it's, especially it's it's the same thing if you say you're a christian here in israel they mm-hmm. go oh you're, you're catholic so both ways i yes. just say i believe in the messiah there's actually okay. a phrase one of my old bosses called me as yeshuim which right. i didn't really look at like i I looked it up a bit, and I was like, "That sounds about right," because mm-hmm. the Messianics here also have a bad rep, and I don't. <laughs> and then you don't want to associate with it because yeah. when you live in Israel, so you're surrounded by Christians, by Jews, by Arabs, and depending on what community you live in, you can be ostracized for your beliefs all the time. And so, for me, um, especially as we live right now in a Yemenite farming community that is full of Jews um, (laughs) and they are very very religious there are eight synagogues in one street because everybody wants to lead so they just keep creating synagogues (laughs) Um, and if they find out that you're messianic they can get very very upset because the messianics here try to take the Jews away from their faith and they'll lure people in and saying if you follow Jesus you can eat pork how about that? Like that is their main thing, and it's so sad to me. When we first mm. moved here, that that's what we learned, because that's that's not what it should be about at all. It should be about be set free from religion and fall under the Messiah and and have a relationship with him. So yeah, So, but so I, let me just
0: I... ask you a bit about that. So obviously, you said you were born into a Jewish family. Um, so how did you? i want to learn a bit more about your decision to become to believe in jesus christ like how did that work given because mm-hmm. i always i know about it from like a christian perspective being brought up in a christian home well you know what i mean by that um how how did that transition go for you
1: so i was brought up my parents are missionaries so they were okay. already saved my mom was is obviously the jew and she grew up in school where she learned that if she was even to walk into a church, she would drop dead because she's Jewish. Like it's like um a vampire seeing sunlight, okay. that right. kind of thing. And so she went through a lot of identity crisis until she wound up one day walking into a church and seeing a Star of David on a shield, on an angel shield. And she's like, what is that doing in there? Mm-hmm. And she had a radical... um like a radical encounter with the Lord. And then she met my dad in Spain um, and they got married. My dad, um, he grew up in a Baptist home, Mm -hmm. um, but he was a Huckleberry Finn, very naughty. He was doing all sorts of stuff until God radically changed him too. So I grew up with two parents with radical testimonies (laughs) in a home where God is at the center of our lives. We're seeing him work all the time, but, um, so even though like I had that relationship with God from the start, it wasn't really until I was 18 that I really sold myself out um, to Yeshua, to Jesus, um, mm-hmm. and gave my life to Him. And then since then, I've dedicated my life to serving the Lord and using my gift of writing um, to share the words He gives me with others. I call myself His typist because on the Day of Atonement five years ago, the Lord asked if I was ready to write for Him rather than myself. And I said, yes. And so then he gave me the vision for my blog, Inspire Truth, and then gave me the words for my debut novel, which I just finished and hope to publish in the next two years.
0: Congratulations on that. That sounds really interesting. I I have a question for those of us who are not exposed to um, Judaism. I mean, obviously, it's your life. What would you say would be the best way for us to maybe try to reach people in our Jewish community in in, in our community who may be Jewish without coming across as patronizing or invoking the negative aspects of the relationship between Christianity and Judaism
1: I think the biggest way that you can connect with them is by understanding their ways because the Yeshua was Jewish Mm -hmm. he followed the laws he followed the Torah he lived it out he did the feast he did all of that and when we learn our hebraic roots of the faith when mm. we learn where we've come from and have that understanding of the of the gospel and how it pours into even into the new testament that speaks volumes to jewish people because they're like wow you actually understand what we do why we do it obviously taking away the Talmud and all the um extra laws that they have created. Yeah. But when you get down to the core, it's by understanding them and no- also not trying to change their ways and not trying to act like them. I think those okay. are the two big things is being yourself and sharing your heart, but also understanding how we are connected mm-hmm. um, in our beliefs in in our biblical teachings because we read the torah we should know the torah and when we know the torah um it says in the bible that they know you by your fruit so if the the bible is truly in you and you are you are living it they will see that and that's how you really minister to them
0: amen well thank you for that and before we move on to the book i just have one last question is there anything because obviously we know in the holy land there's a lot of conflict um, are there any, any things that you think that we who are not living there should be praying for?
1: Um, mm, definitely, I mean. definitely praying for the believers in the land who God has called to be here because everyone, when you, when I tell people, oh yeah, I live in Israel, they're like, oh my gosh, that's so amazing. That's so cool. Oh, I'd love to live in Israel. And I just immediately go, no, you wouldn't because Israel is the hardest place on earth to live because it is the most uh spiritual warfare active country um I believe from all the places that we have been Israel is one of the hardest like spiritually draining countries to live in when you visit it's amazing because they accept you as visitors but then when you come and move into the land it's like satan is just writhing in anger because you are returning to the land that he will do whatever he can to get you out and use whatever means so there is a lot a lot a lot of spiritual warfare especially coming up as well with the new government and how it's going because it's going to be a lot more religious um jew wise and they're very um anti-missionary anti-messiah so it definitely makes it harder for believers living in the land.
0: Okay, so our main prayer topics should be to, to, I guess, for peace, maybe, and restoration, is that what you're asking for? Um,
1: peace, restoration, and strength for the warriors here.
0: Okay, okay. Thank you so much. Appreciate that into window into Israel. It's a different perspective because, like you said, uh, most of us, dream about going to visit israel (laughs) and to see all the places where jesus walked which is not a bad thing
1: no you should you should absolutely come it's beautiful here
0: but then we i think a lot of the time we forget about what's actually going on on the ground like not just Mm -hmm. for um you as a messianic christian but then also for across all of the different religions like with whatever your political view is, it's difficult mm-hmm. to live in a war zone, right? Like from all sides. So, For sure. Yeah, For so sure. These there's are a lot of different need to, things. Yeah, we need to be praying about. Um, so yeah, okay. I guess we had better start talking about the book. So we mentioned that the book is called Redeeming Your Time. And you said that you chose it because it has helped your productivity. Um. So do you want to go into a bit more detail about what that actually means?
1: So... Jordan's book it's got a subtitle seven biblical principles for being purposeful, present and wildly productive. And it takes you on a journey through Yeshua's life here on earth and the practices he like put he what he put into practice every day from starting in the word, letting your yes be yes, descending from the kingdom of noise, prioritizing your yeses Accepting your unipresence, embracing productive rest and eliminating all hurry. Jesus did all of those things. and so Jordan puts them very nicely into a seven chapter book with practices at the end that are like are you're able to do today because obviously we live in a very different time to what Yeshua was. Um, but it doesn't mean we can't walk in his footsteps and live the way he did.
0: Definitely, definitely. And I think for me, this book was, like you said, it just really helped my productivity. As I was reading it for, for this, um, rereading it for this, for this interview, I, was, I came to it thinking, wait a minute, Gene, there are a lot of principles and steps in this. Have you implemented them? And I was like, no, I haven't implemented them. <laughs> but then what I realized as I was reading it is the book really changed my way of thinking about time and management and some of the like the principles that you've mentioned i've actually implemented a lot of them in my own sort of way in my life and not only has it improved my productivity but also i don't i'm not stressed i'm not hurried but i'm at productive productive at the same time mm. i think that's been the main uh takeaway main takeaway for me so um So yeah, what was your main takeaway?
1: I think one of the most humbling encouragements I found in this book was the reminder, and I quote, because I have a lot of quotes from this book, because they're just so full of wisdom, was, while it may appear that we will all die with unfinished symphonies, ultimately this is just an illusion, as God is able to bring eternal results from our time-bound efforts. After reading those words, I realized the false pressure I had put on myself to race to the finish line, always looking to the future to make sure I will finish the work set out for me, rather than embracing what God is doing in the present. Once I realized that way, I noticed that my work um, became more meaningful and productive, and then I was no longer afraid that I would disappoint him or die before I'd completed the vision that he'd given me. Because that's one of my greatest fears is like, I have this work, I have to do it, I have to do it. And it was actually like, no, like, you're never going to finish. And coming to that understanding, that was like the biggest lesson that I'm still learning, mm-hmm. but that resounds throughout the whole book, I think.
0: Yeah, I think you've you've raised a, a key point here. So one of the things that, one of the, the good thing that, okay, so the way Jordan starts the book is, is rooted in the fact that we, uh, it's, it's a Christian book, right? So it's rooted in the fact that we are, saved by grace so it doesn't really matter how productive we are because at the end of the day God is not looking for our works that's not what determines our relationship with him and then because of that we then move on to the fact that yes we are supposed to be productive but actually we're playing a small part in the greater Mm. plan that God has and because we're playing this small part we have to accept and know for ourselves that actually you're never going to finish it And when you accept that truth that you're never going to finish what you're actually working on, like if you have a vision to, I don't know, build another company as big as Amazon, that would be true to a certain extent. You may achieve that, but then the maintenance of that, you're not going to see it because you only are here for a finite number of years. And I think Mm -hmm. you're right that when Jordan puts it that starkly in the book, it b- makes it all easier. It makes it
1: yeah yeah
0: easier to just rest in, 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 in that grace.
1: And I think as well, like people will look at that then and be like, oh, so then why should I bother if I'm never going to finish? But it's just the fact that uh, to me, it's more encouraging because then it means I can do the best that I can to the best of my ability and do as much as I can with the time that I've got. And that'll be enough. And it is enough because we are enough. And so, yeah, because I mean, also, we're not meant to just sit idly. So by living and doing what God has called us to do, to me, that is one of the best ways that we can spend our time on this earth, Um, though it shouldn't be under this pressure that we put on ourselves, trying to measure up and, you know, like in a race, you're trying to get the gold medal and we already have it like we don't there's no first and second and third places in this race and so once we understand that it makes it makes the race a lot smoother I I think (laughs) I totally
0: agree so you mentioned the structure a little bit um I want us to go a little bit deeper and maybe ask you what was your favorite chapter and why
1: so I have two favorite chapters Um, the first is chapter three, descent from the kingdom of noise. Um, actually, to be fair, it's chapter three, descent from the kingdom of noise and chapter seven, eliminate all hurry. And they're my favorite, probably because they're the hardest ones and I'm still mastering them, but they're the ones that stick with me the most that I'm always reminding myself. So chapter three is all about God, not designing our minds to merely receive information he created us to think. Um, he created us to think about and make creative conditions um, between various inputs. Um, Jordan writes: noise limits our opportunities to be bored and thus creative. And then, moreover, we get we can get so caught up filling the space with noise that it seeps into our time with God. Um, and he writes: when when we read and study God's word, we hear His voice, but it takes silence and refle- reflection. To listen to his voice and connect his word to our lives, and that's like my biggest thing because I've always got my headphones on. I'm listening to something, even <laughs> if I'm doing the washing up. I will put a audio book on. I will put a TV show on just to fill the space, and it's so bad because the silence is important, and we yeah. don't we don't do that anymore.
0: Yeah, I think you no, know, you're totally right. So this chapter is one of the chapters as I was reading it, rereading it, that I realized I've implemented in my life most. I think Mm -hmm. one of the difficulties um, people have in becoming productive is there's so much information. We live in what they class now as the information age. And -hmm. it makes it difficult for us to even sit down and just reflect and also to not be distracted by all the stuff that we see and it was refreshing to hear someone say okay you have a vision you have a goal you have a passion everything else is noise it's not i don't think it was in um no actually i think it is in this book or maybe he said it on a call with us once um when you're doing your to-do list he mentioned i think he said that one of the ways he determines whether or not something should be included in his to-do list is whether it adds up to his ultimate goals for that quarter and anything else is noise and for me that was extremely refreshing and then to your point about um the silences so as i said to the um listeners earlier you might think that this is a very it's not very spiritual the book that we're talking about it seems very uh do do doy but one of the striking features that he raises in this in this Um, chapter is about being still in the presence of God Mm -hmm. like it's actually a command for us from the Psalms to be still and know that he is God and Mm -hmm. he said something really amazing about quiet time and it made me reflect and I think we I spoke about this with um, Rachel in um, another episode discerning the voice of God in Priscilla Shire's book Um, and that is to Bring quiet back into our quiet times. Mm. I think a lot of us spend time in the presence of God. We have our daily devotionals. We read word. We have music. Maybe we have preaching in the background. But that moment of silence where we just listen to the voice of God, many Mm. of us don't actually have that time where we're, as he says, descending from the kingdom of noise. Like all that is around is silent and it's just us and God. And so as you said this chapter was a, a challenge for me and I can't say I've implemented all of the principles that he <laughs> there was a lot there's a lot <laughs> there are a lot in there like um cu- allow your friends to curate your news so you don't get all of the news um switching off your phone at set well actually I do do that I do switch off my phone um, <laughs> after 9 p.m <laughs> but there are there were a lot of principles and I think yeah it, that was a challenge to me that I've I've taken on board parts of and yeah, really, really, yeah, I'm glad you brought it up.
1: I'm definitely still learning it. I, I started um, to walk my dog in the mornings, but when I was doing that, I would automatically put headphones in and some mornings I was just like, do you know what? I just want to pray and I'm just not going to have any, anything on. And it was very strange at first. Um, but then there's been some mornings where I've just needed it, where it's just getting out and just praying and just having nothing on except the noise of nature around me. And that has been some of like the best prayer moments I've had um, so far this year mm-hmm. is just have it in, in, in the quiet and yeah. we're, we've become so scared of the quiet. And my mom and I watched A Quiet Place the other week. And I'm like, I would die within seconds because I can't stop talking. (laughs) (laughs) Just making any noise. If it's been quiet too long, I'm like, I have to do something. (laughs) So this is definitely my 2023 goal is learning to be quiet and still.
0: Yeah. And um, one of the things that he mentions, and I think it's true that in the quietness, it's also an opportunity for creativity, well, people feel that they're they're too busy and they're overwhelmed, and so they can't think. And he was making the point that actually, if you're quiet and you make time, like you actually schedule quiet time in mm. separate from your word time, even like just time to think about well, just to think, right? You'll become more creative. So, and I, and like you, I've instituted more walks where there's nothing in my ears, which is it's a it's a major change for me <laughs> yeah. um, and, and it's true I think that I have become more creative and it's given me an opportunity to think more about stuff like to process things yeah mm. yeah you said uh your second other chapter was what was it eliminate chapter hurry.
1: seven eliminating the hurry yeah and um, i talk a little a, bit about that sure there's a world of difference between being busy and being hurried oh yeah and yeah. <laughs> it's like and that's what he talks about and he he quotes what i love about jordan is it's it's never just his words he uses other people's so it's like a book within a book within a book because he uses all of these people's books and brings them all together perfectly so you also don't have to read tons of self-help books which i'm like thank you jordan but um matt perman said You are satisfied with your day when there is a match between what you value and how you spent your time. And at the end of the chapter, Jordan wraps it up with a reminder of what we're called to do. And I think this should be what we, like a mantra to ourselves at the beginning of the day. And as we're looking at our schedule, he said, we are called to model Jesus's example of counting the costs and eliminating hurry from our schedules. We are called to glorify the father by doing good works for others. We are called to reflect Jesus by being purposeful, present, and wildly productive. In short, we're called to redeem our time.
0: So so that sounds fantastic. But what does that actually mean to eliminate <laughs> hurry? Like like I think he gives some steps, right? To to how you can mm-hmm. eliminate hurry. So For sure. Yeah,
1: well, for eliminating hurry, I think one of my best ones was his Four questions of saying yes to opportunities and four questions to saying yes to favors. That was my biggest one because people bog up our time. Let's just be honest. I mean, (laughs) I loved uh, Carrie Newhoff said in At Your Best about when someone sends a text, they're doing it in their own time with no concern of yours. It's all in their timing. And so... With Jordan asking these four questions of whether you should say yes to an opportunity and whether to say yes to a favor is valuing your time and also valuing theirs, so that you're not just saying yes to add more onto your buttload or bucket load, so that um, you just get bogged down and then you can't actually fulfill the things that that you're supposed to. So by asking the Or by saying the things that we are called to do, when we are looking at, are we trying to eliminate the hurry? We can look at each thing saying, right, is this going to make me hurry and be stressed? Or is this going to remain with the peace and remain in line with where God is leading me in this season? Yeah. And that was a big takeaway from me from chapter seven.
0: Very, very true. I mean, I don't even know where to start to unpack that. (laughs)
1: But um,
0: so he gave the example earlier on in the book of Christ doing this as well. So it's true that Christ was available to people, but um, after he healed, I think it's in Mark chapter one, or it could be Mark chapter two. Um, after he healed um, Peter's mother-in-law, um, the crowd gathered outside of Jesus of uh, Peter's house. And they were like, Oh, come and heal us here because obviously they've just seen that um, Jesus is miraculous. And Jesus Oh, Jesus has miracles or could do miracles but Jesus refused that because Mm. he was he had a call that he was focused on pursuing and I guess Mm. Jordan's point in this section is not that we are not supposed to be um, graceful because of course there'll be opportunities and he mentions this in the book where people may need our help and the spirit of God will lead us to respond to those people but Mm -hmm. his point here is that we should be a bit more uh, accountable of our time in the same way that we right. budget towards our money we should also budget our time and i think that's where he yes, talks um, about here that you I know i loved
1: when he said that
0: you can't just keep saying yes to everybody because you actually have a limited amount of time and right. if you say yes to everything that comes your way you're actually saying no to other things that you're doing so yeah.
1: exactly and it's also what are you saying yes to are you the best for it or are you just doing it to help someone else um like if someone, I like what Jordan said, if someone was to ask him to build a tree house, he would say no, because that's not his expertise. He would be terrible at building a tree house. And it's true, because like we're supposed to be servants to one another, and we are supposed that that's one of our main callings in the faith, is to serve one another. But if it's for something that we really, really cannot do and we cannot um do well, like we would just be hindering them, then of course we say no. And So it's learning that. And Jesus did it all the time. Look at all the times that he would just disappear. He would just go off from the crowds. All the crowds would be around him. I like to think that Jesus was an introvert like myself. (laughs) that he just needed that quiet time to re-energize as well. Because all those people around all the time begging and, and just at him all the time. That He's just like, no, I need to be focused. And like Jordan says, that starts as well with having that time with God and being still and and being before the Lord um, and asking him for the wisdom of what we're supposed to do rather than just going off like headless chickens wondering where, like going here, there and everywhere. Let's be purposeful, practical and disciplined in, in how we're doing it.
0: As I mentioned in the intro, the party doesn't stop here. In fact, I'll be back again next week with part two of the interview. I hope this has encouraged you to get the book and to start working through the principles if you struggle with time management and productivity. And in fact, even if you don't, because it's a really good book. As ever, I will add a link to Redeeming Your Time to the show notes and to my website, which is www.jeankabasomi.com slash podcast. That's www.jeankabasomi.com slash podcast. If you like this episode, could I encourage you to do four things. Hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Rate and review this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Google, Podcast Addict, Audible or somewhere else. It really helps the algorithms get the podcast into the hands of other potential listeners. And lastly, can I ask you to share this podcast with anyone who might be interested in hearing about good Christian books? Well, that's all from me thanks for listening. God willing, I shall be back in your ears next week. Until then, keep reading and seeking the Lord. God bless. Bye.